You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Fully Loaded Chew comes in nine flavors and is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine there is. To give us a try, head on over to FullyLoadedChew.com for a $1 can of chew with free shipping when you enter the code OUTDOOR1, O-U-T-D-O-O-R, and the number one. Lastly, many outdoorsmen are trying to quit tobacco altogether, and Fully Loaded Chew may be that first step. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. All right, y'all, here's the deal. Go Wild has partnered with us here at Southern Ground Hunting to make life a whole lot easier for you guys. So I get a lot of questions um, on social media, uh, on YouTube, and things like that about the gear that I use. We are extremely excited to announce that we're going to be working with Go Wild to make it easy for you to see a complete list of the gear that we use here at Southern Ground Hunting. So all you have to do is you have to go download Go Wild. It's a free social media app. Um, and it's a community for hunters where I have put together a list of all of the gear that I use. All you have to do is look up Parker McDonald once you create your account. Go Wild is also just a fun place to hang out and chat with other hunters, other outdoorsmen. You can find tips and you can actually buy all of this gear through Go Wild. And actually you can get a, a 10% discount if you use the code all lowercase, all one word, Southern Ground when you purchase there at Go Wild. So join me hundreds of thousands of other hunters on go wild the download link is in the show notes and you can find it there again that's all lowercase all one word southern ground and that will save you 10 percent off of your gear purchases on the go wild hunting app the southern ground hunting podcast is brought to you by spartan forge it's forged in combat and tailored for hunters Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly intuitive and science-based products that save the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You can start your free 14-day trial today by visiting SpartanForge.ai and you can use the code SOUTHERNGROUND, that's all lowercase, all one word, SOUTHERNGROUND at checkout, and that'll get you 25% off of your purchase. You wanting to know more about saddle hunting? Well, check out tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting needs. Tethered is for saddle hunters by saddle hunters, and they're redefining ultralight hunting. If you'd like to support the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, you can visit patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting, or you can click on the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. 
We offer two different tiers for our patrons that offer a solid list of benefits. We'd love for you to join the Southern Ground Hunting community today. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash Southern Ground Hunting. And now, let's get to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, joined by my dear friend and uh, fellow Alabama deer hunting fool. Fool. Deer hunting fool. Which I can't wait for it to get here. We were a part of the bearded brethren. I know. I saw. I won't go comment. You, you, I you, just you letting the stash come on though. Yeah, um, yeah. You know. I, you know. I kind of <clears throat> got a wild hair. No pun intended. Whenever I got home from North Dakota, I was like, "Something got to change." Yeah. I'm, I'm growing my hair out too, on top of my head. Yeah. And so, I, t- I told my wife, I was like, you know, I'm 30 years old. I'm an adult. <laughs> I can do what I want. I'm 30 years old. I'm an adult. <laughs> no. Uh, I told her, I was like, at some point, my hair is going to start going away. Yeah. And I'm not going to have any more. So, I need to just go ahead and just grow it out just one time just to see what it's like. Just one time. And if I like it, then great. If I don't like it, then oh, that's speaking, great, too. Speaking of you being grown up, um, I'm going to throw out a number <laughs> for you. And I want to give you, I want you like the first answer that pops your mind it's a gambling question okay, okay. uh what right. do i win you, uh, i need to know what i stand to win here have you seen no country for old men yeah. <laughs> flip a coin flip a coin <clears throat> over under okay okay i'm gonna put the over under at 21 okay over under 21 number of gas station pizza slices you eat this deer season Oh. You want the over or the under? It's going to be over because I plan yeah. to hunt over 21 times. <laughs> so, statistically, I get a slice of gas station pizza every time I hunt. Uh, you, you know, you're talking about, you know, letting yourself go and wild hair and, you know, all, like, yeah. all that stuff. Because, I mean, it's, it's 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 hunting season for, well, I mean, it's not, it hadn't opened here in Alabama and it's getting ready to open in Tennessee in the end of this month. But some of, uh, some of the guys have been hunting. I know uh, South Carolina and parts of Florida have been hunting for Almost sure, a month now, yeah. you know, and so yeah, and you got Kentucky that opened now. <clears throat> you got opened, um, obviously North Dakota, which yep. is where I was at. Uh, Nebraska, Idaho. Yeah, guys, it's hard to beat a good gas station that has a good hot bar. You know what I'm Bro. saying? And in the Midwest, they have this place called Casey's. Casey's is. Have you ever had yes. Casey's? So Casey's pizza outdoes like every pizza ever. It's just good. There might be fighting words, man. Because Hunt's brothers down here in the south. You know uh, what I'm saying? I don't know. It just, I don't know. It seems like Hunt's brothers, it can depend on who's working the gas station that day. That's true. Because Hunt's brothers, you got a real good chance of getting two day old pizza. <laughs> Whereas Casey's, you're pretty much going to get fresh pizza. <laughs> Guys, we would try to put on the forum page uh, our favorite gas station snacks but uh let us know which one yours is and uh it was bad like everybody knows everybody knows that gas station food is like a staple for deer hunters like uh, yeah nobody's trying to not trying to deny that like i don't i don't i I don't eat gas station pizza everybody eats gas station food what was that (laughs) that was my son was that a child that was my son yeah that's my child the child just came in here yeah we're done yeah we're down here in the basement trying to get away from everybody and that's what happens when you just you know you when you just want to cuddle but your wife wants more you know you have 
have more. So you have more children. So no, my <laughs> my big gas station deal is Little Debbie's. Little Debbie's I are love good. Little Debbie's. So, but all right. So Parker killed a deer. Yeah, killed a deer. Talked Not about just about killed a deer. Week. Talked about it last week. Throw it on top of a Chevy Spark. Yep. Which was probably one of my all-time favorite hunting pictures. <laughs> like you, that, you know, the footage is just, it was good stuff. So man. the only thing that would have made it better is if it was a bigger deer, but it really wouldn't have made it that much better. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? No. Like, you know, I'm a sucker for pictures. Like, I yeah. I do a lot of things because the picture is going to be good. Yeah. And so whenever I, I got this car and they told me, they so they originally told me it was going to be a Mitsubishi Mirage. Right, which is like I think even smaller than a Chevy Spark, <laughs> and apparently it's like the cheapest car you can buy new these days. I don't I don't know like the truth behind that, but that's what they that's what somebody told me is like the cheapest car. So I started getting these ideas popping in my head. I'm like, hmm, what if I put it on top? That'd be a really cool picture. And so, uh, no, it was, so I did. Yeah, so that's exactly what it I did. It was awesome. So it became all about the picture for me. And then, like, the, uh, you, you know, killing a big deer is fun. I like killing big deer. I like killing deer, period. Um, and with the way that trip kind of took a turn, because mm-hmm. all summer long, or not all summer, ever since Greg called me about going and hunting their, this lease property, yeah. I've been jacked up about, like, killing big, huge bucks. Right on this private lane because I know they're out there. Right. And so I never want, I, when I left my house to go to the airport, never once did I think you're going to come home with four point. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the thing that I thought in my no, it's, head. It's not like I thought it just, it just wasn't. It, it, it never even crossed my mind. And, um, but crazy trips take a turn, take weird turns when you're doing that kind of stuff. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm the kind of guy, you know, like a lot of people probably listen to this, and uh, I, I like to—I I really enjoy a, a storyline that has a um, a, a conflict mm-hmm. and then a resolution. Right, right. I mean, that's just good story writing. Right, it's good movies have a good yeah. conflict and a good resolution. I mean, all this stuff, and so sometimes the resolution isn't what we like. Anticipate. Anticipated, mm-hmm. but it can still be a whole lot of fun. Yeah. Somebody uh, put on a Facebook group today. Um, it was Clay. Clay Harper, I think is his last name, uh, asked, is your most memorable memorable deer your biggest deer? Mm-hmm. Your most memorable hunt your biggest deer? Right. For me, it's not anywhere close. Right. You know, I like to kill big deer. I've killed several of them, and it's, it's fun, you know, and right. that's what I'm there for. But it, um, without a doubt, the most memorable hunts for me are yeah, yeah, are the smaller ones, and and maybe it's because like, and a lot of times I'll settle for a smaller deer because the storyline is good, right? You know, and that just kind of yeah. puts icing on the cake. Now so. you you were kind of teasing me a little bit when when I first got here with some show me some clips, and and the scenery looked beautiful out there. I mean, it just looked awesome, and I mean. Even your Instagram posts and all, I mean, it, it looked incredible. But it also seemed like you were hunting. It was it was a very diverse trip, too, like when it comes to, like, yeah. what you hunted, which which I thought was interesting because, you know, I mean, I, I don't, just from seeing videos, you, you, you think mostly open and then maybe some cottonwood draws, you mm-hmm. know. 
Um, but you're, you actually had a little bit more than that, didn't you? Yeah. And it really just depended on where I was at. Um, there were some parts that I was hunting that were uh, like the lease land mm-hmm. that we were hunting. It was like all fields, right? So you just have cornfield, soybean field, corn field, soybean field, right. like just all, if you looked at a map, you'd be like, there's no deer here. Right. Um, but in, within those fields, there was like, uh, cattail marshes and mm-hmm. things like that. You'd see it. I think they, they call them potholes mm-hmm. and there's a pond with cattails mm-hmm. growing all around it. And that's 100% of the deer that I saw on that property. I believe, I, I think it was 100% of them, uh, came off of those cattails. Mm-hmm. That's where they were just all living. And when yeah. they hit those cattails, dude, they just disappeared. Yeah. Um, I had one deer, I don't know if it was a buck or a doe, but it was the first day that I set on some public land that was around the lease. Mm-hmm. And this little spot, it was just a tiny clump of trees that looked really good on a map. And I was like, I'm just going to go check that out and right. see where it is, see what it's like. And uh, it was there was two different ponds and tons of cattails. And that deer came straight up out of those cattails, um, caught mm. my ground scent, caught where I walked in at, and ran away when I saw it. But when it ran away, it hit those cattails, dude, and it was like... Gone. Poof. Yeah. I never saw it again. Yeah. I walked out that way, never heard a sound, hmm. never like... It, it was just like they just crawl under a hole in, in yeah. the cattails and disappear. <laughs> um, but it was... that's that's It's really interesting because it's hard to find a place to hunt when that's where the deer are living. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I think part of the reason why we were more unsuccessful on the private land is because most of those deer were in those cattails we were there trying to get we were getting content for tethered right Mm -hmm. like we're trying to get saddle hunting videos right Right. there's very few places that you can saddle hunt right on this property there's these things called shelter belts Mm -hmm. uh, which are just long stretches of woods and stuff and um, you can get saddle in most of those trees it's usually cottonwoods right so you can get saddles into those trees, and that's where we had most of the sites set up at, most of the corn piles mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And we were getting pictures of bucks on these corn piles, but it was all at night. At night, yeah. Jared Schaefer went out, and he was hunting from the ground. And uh, after the first first or second night, he decided he was going to hunt from the ground because he saw a whole bunch of bucks moving around. He ended up having encounters with, hmm. I, I, I mean, double-digit type numbers of bucks each night because he was just hunting from the ground and watching these cattail marshes and these deer would get up in those marshes and you would have never seen them if you were sitting in one of the saddle trees Hmm. you'd have never seen them because they were just i mean it was it was just like that little trip it made it really hard to hunt made it more hard to hunt if you're trying to self-film right um if you had a camera guy like jared did you're able to put yourself in those type of situations and i just couldn't yeah. I just couldn't do that. But going back to what you said, I mean, um, you've lived in Texas. I've lived in Texas. You know how Texas has a whole bunch of different habitat types. Yeah. you got the hill country. You've got the piney woods. Right. you got the desert. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the plains. Yeah. Uh, and then you got the south Texas brush country. And that was kind of how this was, except it was a smaller area. It was like, um, so just to give you an example, on the, on the lease land, we hunted that wide open field type land uh the first public land area i went to um well i guess it would have been the first one 
it was one of the ones uh, before I actually got the car and went to the larger public land. But it looked more like you were out, like, out, like, like way west. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it was, it was steeper, a little bit steeper, not so much crops as there were um, just open fields and mm-hmm. plains. And then some, some steep draws they called uh, coolies. It, it, you know what? It looked more like Nebraska than, yeah. than it did huh. parts of, of North Dakota. And so uh, set up on a couple spots there and uh, saw some deer. Uh, but then when I moved to the bigger public area, mm-hmm. first place we went to was a river bottom. And it was more of your classic, like what you think about when you think of it didn't feel like North Dakota. It felt more like I don't I don't know of somewhere that I could compare it to. It was Alabama type woods. Yeah. It did. It, you know what? It looked like Kentucky. Yeah. It looked a lot like Kentucky. Yeah. And um, a little more open woods than what we would have here. Our woods are did a little you, thicker. Did you hunt it like Kentucky then? Mm-hmm. You yeah. Did? Yeah. Yeah. But the the thing about that that area was, um. The public piece that it was ag land, so there was crops around, just mm-hmm. but there was this river bottom running through, and um, this public public area was not very big, and and this river made it created a lot of pinch points and funnels, right. and so like there was probably six different pinch points mm-hmm. along that basically that the, where the river pinched down the the wood line to you know yeah. forty yards wide. Yeah. And so that's where I set up. And that was where the trails kind of went. Right. Um, and so that's what, you know, for this podcast episode, I think there's a lot of things that I was able to take away from North Dakota from just hunting different types of property mm-hmm. and different terrain types. There's a lot of things that I took away from that that I can use in other places. Yeah. You know, we talk about it a lot, deer, deer. And a lot of times they'll do the same thing, whether you're in Alabama or Michigan, you right. know, they're going to do a lot of the same things, but there are, there are differences in what each vegetation type offers right, or, right. or whatever. But like river bottom type country, I can think of all kinds of TVA land here in Alabama and, right. and, and, and not even just TVA, just Tennessee public land. Right. Yeah. Because a lot of their public land is based around water. Yeah. And so that river bottom type stuff mm-hmm. really seemed to it could very easily match up with yeah. that kind of property. So did you, did you find yourself having to be flexible? I mean, in the, in the sense of like <laughs> it, it, what it sounds like is that if you were married to one way of hunting, then you, you might not have been as, as successful as what someone else could have been. That was kind of looked at it as, Hey, this, this type of, this public land calls for this type of, of way to hunt, you know, this public land, this private land. So did did you find yourself looking at maps and going, okay, I have to hunt it this way because this is what the terrain offers me? So, yes and no. In a perfect world, I either am not filming or I have somebody running camera right. for me. Right. There were so <clears throat> many places that I found that no doubt had deer right. on them. But I could not self-film right. in those areas. So... It, Yes, I had to be flexible, and I wanted to be more flexible, but I just couldn't be as flexible as what I wanted to be. Right. That was that was a hard. That's a hard thing to 
because most people listening to this probably are not filming. Right. And so... Even though there's a large... That, that's growing. I mean, there's going to be growing. a lot more guys wanting to... Even if it's just getting like, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I know Fourth Era just came out with a really, I mean, stable but cheap, you know, arm. It's ninety nine bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, you get that and you get your, you know, your iPhone and you can you can film. You know, yeah, so I, I, mean, I know there's a lot of guys getting into it too. Your iPhone is more is a better camera than the cameras that were being used for TV six or seven years ago. Right. You know, like <laughs> yeah, four K. So you know, um, and. So, so I know there's a lot of guys that that don't self film, but then there there are some that do, you know. And so, um, and, and there's a lot of people who self film whenever they can, right. and don't whenever <clears throat> it's not whenever they can't right. in an area. For me, I'm all the way up there, and I'm hunting because I love it because it's right. fun. But I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get video content. You know, right. I want I want to share these experiences and stuff like that, and. Besides the fact, I mean, this was a tethered hunt, so right. I'm trying to get film for tethered right. too, right. and so, um, but so to answer your question, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of area there that you really had to be flexible with. In the same way, I find here some way that you can relate it to southern hunting. Mm-hmm. A lot of times the deer that you're going to find. So in Alabama and Georgia, um, and maybe Tennessee, I haven't seen it as much in Tennessee, but, uh, definitely Alabama, Georgia, I would imagine Mississippi has a Mm -hmm. lot of this, but you have those, those clear cuts, Mm -hmm. cutovers areas that are just nasty and thick and don't have anywhere that you can get up in a tree. Right. You've got places on your club that mm-hmm. are this way where you have to hunt from the ground. You have to. And because there's no way you're getting elevated enough to be able to to do any any damage. No, and and for the times that that I can get elevated, you're talking about at max a 12-yard shot with with mm-hmm. a bow, you know what I'm saying? So like they're going they're going to be right on top of you yeah. in in those clear cuts normally. But that's where they live. That's where they live. So so you've got to learn to be flexible. I think Honestly, I mean, that was such a great question because I think that that was what my whole North Dakota trip was all about, was mm-hmm. being, just trying to be as flexible as I could mm-hmm. and and maybe do things a little more different, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Even the even the terrain mm-hmm. out there, like the areas that had terrain, the deer didn't use that terrain the same way that they used terrain out here, which is weird really? to me. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, a lot of the deer, um, you know, out here, a lot of the deer will be down, like, I'm not talking about river bottoms, I'm talking more <clears> about, like, steep draws and like uh like more of what we would call a creek type mm-hmm. you know you get to the bottom of a holler creeks and drainages and yeah. stuff yeah yeah and and it didn't seem it, there was a lot more deer activity and deer sign on the tops of the of the long ridges a lot more than there are out here hmm. and uh I was actually talking to a local guy up there and he said he said a lot of the deer don't hang out in the bottoms and and I don't know I don't know why I don't know what the what the reasoning is I'd imagine they navigate the the hillsides the same way our deer do down here but yeah. he just said that and I, and the the, the sign oh. definitely backed that up okay so a couple questions with that because that, that's interesting do you do you think they use that for wind based bedding though still like 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 the hillsides oh dude yeah they do because okay um and and the, here's another crazy thing so out here 
are in Alabama, our wind swirls a lot, right? right? You right. get in the ridges. Uh, I, yeah. I, I'm not going to say out here in Alabama. Probably anywhere there's terrain, yeah. you know, any type of <laughs> varying terrain, yeah. you get that kind of stuff. And um, the wind – and I learned something. So the last day, the day that I ended up shooting shooting that buck, uh, I bumped a big deer off mm-hmm. of a bed. And the bed was not wind-based for the actual wind, for the wind – because it was a straight, like – I want to say it was like a wind coming out of the northwest, mm-hmm. and that deer was actually faced northwest, so that the wind was in his face. Was in his face, but when I got down there to where he was at, the wind was swirling so bad in there. I dropped milkweed, and the wind was actually at his back. The That's... wind was coming out of the southeast hmm. because of the way that it hit, the way that wind went over. Yeah. Over that drainage and it just like he was in the right spot where it just came back and was it was so crazy. Because they're but, definitely not lazy. You no. know what I'm saying? Like they they're not just going No, that, he, that's he really wasn't. cool. That's he really was cool. he was bedding in a way that in in a bulletproof yeah. spot. No matter which way you were to come at him, he was gonna smell you. Yeah. I mean and that was and that was or see you. Yeah. And that was huh. pretty crazy to think about. And I think I hear a lot of guys get frustrated out here in, in the southeast because they say, oh, well, the, the hunting bee stuff doesn't work. The top third stuff doesn't work and blah, blah, blah. And and I totally disagree yeah. with that. And, and I think a lot of it is just because you start getting into hill country that is like actual hill country. Mm-hmm. The wind just does what it wants. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Jamie McKay talked mm-hmm. about before about he doesn't care about which way Michael it says the wind's gonna go care. yeah i mean guys, guys have been very successful on public land around here um that they just they just go and set up and yeah. um and which is which i mean if you think about it it's the it's a really interesting way to hunt in the sense of like how many times have you talked yourself out of a killer spot you know um i was i was watching a, a video today you know, of a guy that did that, mm-hmm. um, and um, and pulls up to his property. I mean, you were talking about about him earlier. And yeah, Tyler. His, yeah, Tyler. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, killer video. Um, yeah. Super solid. Yeah, man. I'm. I, I keep getting blown away by the guys at the Element. Tyler super and KC. Solid. They're they're crushing it and killing big deer, putting out good solid podcasts and good videos, man. <laughs> it it's it was really one. cool though on on his last video because. Uh, it's, it's it's a private piece. He pulls up to it. It's his own. It's his own property. He pulls up to it, and he was like, "I should have gone hunting this morning, but I talked myself out of it, you know, because because of the wind." And he has like three, and one was a giant. I mean, he is a stud. But how many times have you and I talked ourselves out of spots where we just like, or, or we overthink a spot? We're like, "No, we're not going to do it," because you know, and and if, if if we just got in there and just dropped milkweed, and if it, if it works, it works, but. Also, like, there's a good chance another deer's gonna come by too from a different direction. You know, don't you think there's a balance though that you have to have? I mean, like two podcasts ago, I think <laughs> I was talking about how one of the greatest things that I did last year was not going in on a bad wind. Yeah, I I think there is a balance, but I also think too, and I kind of relate it to duck hunting. There are some mornings where the ducks just won't be in the hole. You ain't got to throw a decoy out. You ain't you ain't got to hit hit a duck call. They just want to be there. And I think 
I think I have nothing to back it up. Just just a theory, you know, just my own opinion. I think there's some mornings that the deer movement's going to be good enough where you can go sit and you know it's just the mornings that everything comes together and you're just like, yeah, this is a killing morning. But on the flip side of that, I mean, you both agree we we were a lot more patient last year um, and proof in the pudding, you know, uh, with the number of bucks we killed. And um, not trying to brag or anything, but we both filled our, all of our tags. <laughs> I mean, I, I I'm mean, not trying to brag or anything. I mean, I'm I mean, trying to brag. But I mean, that, I, don't I know mean, all three you, of mine, I mean, you know, wouldn't break the number 20. Noticed. So, um, you know, <laughs> but I don't know if you noticed or anything. But, uh, but so, yeah, I, but I do think they're, and, and just to be honest too, man, you know, job, three kids, sometimes I don't, I don't got a choice. You know, mm-hmm. if it's if it's Friday or Saturday, and I and I and I can go, sometimes I don't even look at the wind for that reason because I'm like I don't want to get discouraged because this is the only time that I can go this week. You know, yeah. and you just gotta you just gotta go for it. You know, yeah. But now that is what makes mobile hunting so awesome. Is and me and my brother were talking about this on 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 the Tennessee hunt because um, he's wanting to get in the saddle hunt, but he's just not sure about it yet, and. Um, so we were talking about where we we're going to go hunt, and I told him where I was going. And he's like, well, how? he goes, the wind's bad for that. I go, yeah, but I can make my own wind sometimes, you know, especially with a saddle or a mobile yeah. uh, um, lock-on or whatever. You can make your own wind in some aspects of mm-hmm. it. And so so that's why sometimes I don't even look at the wind before I walk in. I just, because I'm like, this is the only time I can go this week, I'm going to make it happen, you know? Yeah. My other question with that is um, we're talking about, like, the deer using the, the tops of the, of the um, draws out there. Do you think it's hunting pressure that doesn't force them down in there? Because here... That's a good point. You know, like, here, deer, well, at least on some of these, they walk around like they're getting shot at even when they're not, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, uh, it could be. Their their bottoms are just different, too, just as far as, like, what they have in them. So I tried... I, yeah, I, I, I didn't think about the food aspect. Before yeah. I before I went, uh, before I heard this from the local and all this, uh, it was actually this... The, this it was my first sit. It was an evening sit right after I got the car. And uh, I went to a spot. The deer were all obviously hitting acorns, and I wanted to find somewhere that had yeah. them. I ended up finding a place that had way too many, and there was no way to determine whether or not they were coming there or not. <laughs> I mean, it was literally every tree was dropping acorns. So um, I was going to go and, and uh, just kind of get down in a ditch in one mm-hmm. of these drainages. And dude, I got down there, and it was, it was too thick. Like you couldn't. Yeah. Everything was up over your head. I found an elk bed down there, which was pretty cool. Yeah. It was huge. It was gigantic. <laughs> I, I hope it was an elk bed because if if not, I hunted the wrong place. <laughs> if it's, yeah, that's, that's right. But they were. I mean, it was just so tall. Yeah. Um, like saplings type stuff that was just so tall you couldn't even see over it. And then it got down, and I didn't realize that there was water in it, but later I heard a beaver slapping his tail. Yeah. And I think down in those bottoms, there's just a lot of, like, standing water. So I imagine the deer use it. I know they have to use it because it, I mean, the thick stuff, you know, they're they're down there at some point. But when I was down there, I wasn't seeing deer sign hardly at all. I found that big elk bed, and there was a few, like, little scarce yeah. tracks and stuff. But when I got to the tops, it was like freaking rubs yeah and trails that you could just about drive a tractor down they were so wide i wonder if they use it seasonally too in the sense of like because i mean winter you would think it would drive them down in there because 
we're talking about a North Dakota winner. We ain't talking about like an Alabama winner. Yeah. You know so you know, I mean, we were close to Canada. Yeah. You know, it gets a lot of snow. Yeah. You know that the wind blows like crazy. Um, I would think, you know, here, when you're in Alabama, high wind day, the deer are going to try to get out of the wind, right. so they're going to, you know, be on that yeah. leeward side a lot of times if it's super windy, mm-hmm. just to be out of the wind. They're right. going to be down in the bottoms, or they're going to be in a wide open area where mm-hmm. it doesn't affect their hearing, right. you know, where they don't have a bunch of leaves, right. you know, blowing in the wind and stuff. And so, like, that's a, I mean, that's something I skip over, like, everybody should know it, but it is something that I've noticed here mm-hmm. is high wind days man high wind on a good cutover can be freaking awesome amazing because it's so open it, it it's not open it's thick yeah but it doesn't have all the noise of all the trees with their leaves blowing is it is there a wind where you look at it and go that's too high because mm. i know for me i like a good man if it's if it's a if it's a solid 10 miles an hour blowing man i love days like that because I like I like to sneak on days like that. Yeah, you can get away with a lot. I don't know, man. I don't know if there's. I mean, I've had a few days where I've been up in a tree and it's been blowing so hard you can't. It can be fun in a saddle. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm make being sarcastic. Butthole, make your butthole wink. I'm being sarcastic. It's not. Fun. <laughs> um, so I, I mean, I've had those type of days, but I mean, I, the only reason that I didn't enjoy that is just because it was hard to keep my balance up in the tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't, you know, I don't think that there's been days that I've ever just decided not to go hunt because wind was going to be too bad. Now, if it's winds bad and it's storming and it's raining and it's, oh, I don't know, that can be pretty rough. <laughs> I, I'm I'm all right on if if it starts lightning, I'm out. Yeah, because I'm like, okay, I'm I'm in a tree, well, you know. When you're kayaking too. Mm. The wind kind of sucks. Yeah, because you can't. Keep... Cause you, yeah, and it can be it can be a little dangerous if it's dangerous if the wind's too high. Yeah, but um, but yeah, so like that spot that I was talking about, mm-hmm. there were obviously deer in there. Yeah, but there was so many acorns there that I could not find. Like it would take me a lot of time of scouting and walking to find where the hot sign. And was this at. was this was a a, a a shelter belt. No, this was just a. Just a draw? I mean, it was all woods right oh, okay. here. Yeah, it was. I walked in on a hayfield, and yeah. then you go down, and the the majority of the public land right there was just woods, and it mm. was oaks. Yeah. And, I Sounds mean. Sounds like a lot around here. A lot of oaks. <laughs> yeah, it, it is, but it's different. Like, it looks different. Um, it wasn't like the big, tall, giant trees like we have out here. You know, we have tall, straight. You had pines and yeah. all that kind of stuff out there, like. Your tall trees would be more of your aspens and your cottonwoods. But out there, in that spot, there was none. It was all oaks. Hmm. I mean, literally, like, I don't think I saw another tree in that plot that was anything but oak. Yeah. Like it was, So that made it a little, a little bit tough. Um, but so that determined, for me, what I was going to look for the next day, which was going to be my last day. Mm. I was going to look for isolated oaks. Right. Which we've heard that a lot on this podcast. Yeah. Isolated oaks. Isolated oaks just always seems to work in the early season, man. And um, especially, I I typically think that deer, even in ag country, once the acorns drop, they, as far as like hunting hours are concerned, mm-hmm. a good white oak tree that's dropping acorns can be the bomb. Well, I... 
Because they still got their cover. Funny that you say that, because I I actually on on the, on the Tennessee Velvet, um, I didn't find it until we were leaving, but I found a. It's not a creek crossing. It's just it's it's old dried up creek bed, and and they cross, and when they cross, they immediately come up a hill, and thirty yards from that crossing, right up top, there was two oak trees, but they were surrounded by other oak trees but these two were getting hammered i'm talking about it was the the ground was clear underneath the tracks everywhere holes everywhere but you look 30 yards over and and it wasn't that way yet you know um i don't know what makes certain oaks you know like of the same species i don't know what makes them for that couple weeks or couple months whatever draw to that i don't know but I think uh, it was I mean, very evident, and I'm like, dude, I, I should have been hunting here. You know, I, I I just found it too late. I think a lot of I've heard a lot of people talk about this, and a lot of it has to do with like the acidity of the of that specific right. tree that year. Right. So some of them are really acidic, which is good because they'll preserve right. longer on the ground. Right. Um, but I, I you know I don't know. Spoiler alert. Spoiler. This week we were supposed to be recording a. Uh, an episode all about um, feed trees mm-hmm. with Mr. Warren Womack. Acorns. Yep, acorns. Acorns. And, uh, and Which he, we got, will. he got he come down with sickness and uh, down with the sickness. Down oh, with the sickness. Uh, um, he uh, he got sick and and wasn't able to to record with us this week. So hopefully we're going to be able to get that next week. And that's kind of what spurred this conversation into mm-hmm. you know just kind of thinking about it because. Alabama and the South, and and maybe it's everywhere, honestly. It, it's probably everywhere. Right. Um, I mean, if it's up in North Dakota, then you're going to see it in most places. Uh, I didn't the, see it a lot in Texas. But then again, I didn't. Yeah, in Texas, you're, you're hunting the golden acres. Yeah, golden acres. Which are. The expensive golden the, acres. They grow in bags. They grow in bags. Um, which I have nothing against those. Yeah, I, I don't either. Sometimes they can be great. Sometimes they can be great, and sometimes they can... Not be great. Not be great, and then you feel like an idiot because you spent a whole lot of money on golden acorns that don't work. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, um, you know, I think a lot of people deal with trying to find the hot feed trees. I think that's a, a thing that actually is pretty universal. It can work anywhere. Um, hot feed trees, same thing as like a hot dough. Mm-hmm. It just works. And, and so, you know, that kind of spurred this conversation, and I... I think we just wanted to kind of set up next week's episode mm-hmm. that we're we're gonna really try to get down to because I know if if you guys listening or anything like me and Drew when we walk into the woods, especially in the early season, there's one thing on our on our radar I think, and that's trying to find where the acorns are dropping, yeah, and what where the deer are hitting it. I would even say, especially the early season, that is the number one thing. Mm-hmm. I know normally, Parker, I know me, me and you look for edges and, and transitions, you know, a lot. Early season, I'm just, look, honestly, I'm just, now, if you can find the acorns close to an edge. That's what I'm looking for. That's like, always. you know, stupid money, you know. Right, so it's the isolated ones. Right. That's that's why, or the it's, first it's not, ones. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. So, you, you really, have you ever been in a clear cut and there was like an SMZ? Mm-hmm. A stream stream management zone. Yeah. There's an SMZ going out, and on that SMZ, there's an oak tree. Mm-hmm. Just walk to it, and you'll see the sign. Yeah, I mean, 
it's the eyes and and even that one just it's and what i've seen maybe other people have differing differing opinions of this what i've seen is those isolated oaks like that that aren't with all the other oaks when they're close to that thick bedding cover it doesn't matter if they're as long as it's dropping acorns they're going to be there if if you can if you can find that and you have a way to you, you have to it's almost like shooting ducks in a barrel man i mean it, it, I don't it, know about that. <laughs> in in the sense of like you know you you know that there's a high it. percentage that there's going to be deer there cuz we we have clear cuts and and you've been over to 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 our club we we have clear cuts and on one of our clear cuts there's a there's a 40 acre spot that's all oaks it's just an oak bottom that, that's all it is and so that's both good and bad cuz there's food right there so it's so in a sense it is bad to feed but also, since there's nothing but oaks there, there's sixteen thousand trails that they can come in on. Yeah. So you you know you're just like if 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 you're bow hunting, you're just like, okay, you know, flip a coin, you know. And so, mm-hmm. as opposed to, I would much rather have those isolated ones where I know I'm like, okay, that's the only one that you, that they're coming to. You know, I'm I'm also gonna be interested to see this year too, because we've had a ton of water this year. I'm talking about we have a lot. We we had a lot more rain than I've. I've only lived here five years. This is the most rain we've had, and mm-hmm. at least that's what I think. I mean, meteorologists might tell me otherwise, but it, it seems like we've had a lot more rain. So I'm really interested to see what that does. I know that it'll help the deer overall, just from a um, herd health deal, but also horns. Normally, on these years, we have bigger bucks that get killed just because of the water. But also, what it's going to do for all the for the acorns and just for the rest of the browse, you know? Um, yeah. And so, but if you can find one like that in the middle of a clear cut, man, it, it's it's money. It's so money. this is where, you know, I think this this podcast and this episode and this conversation really becomes uh, relatable for everybody mm-hmm. is isolated food, right? Right. So your oaks are seasonal, kind of. I mean, you have red oaks that'll get hit late season. Yeah. But really, you get white oaks, and and you hunt those, and you pretty yeah. much, a lot of times, you're hunting that type of way until the rut. Yeah. You know? Sometimes in early season, you can get a, a persimmon that's still holding on, mm-hmm. you know, that or, and even, I know some, some guys don't like the Carolinas and stuff, They since they start early, muscadines and like like scuppernins and stuff, man, if you can find, if you got a vine of them, too, you're they're 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 going to hit that early season too, mm-hmm. and I've I've seen them walk clear across a corn pile to a persimmon tree and just mm-hmm. nail it. You know, yeah. Um, they just like that in the, in, the, in the early season. It's it's it's. But the it's thing unique. not the thing not to get so caught up on, like I've hunted persimmons where obviously the deer were hitting it, but not at daylight at all because it was just in the right. in the wide open. It's got to be close to something. So it's like their their security is, is has much more effect on them than their taste buds. Right. And that's why I think like an isolated white oak that's in thick cover in the middle of a clear cut pretty much mm-hmm. can be amazing because right. they never have to leave their security right. cover. There might be better acorns on the ground in the wide open, right. you know, creek bottom. Right. But that one's going to do until they... Right. Until it gets dark and yeah. they can go in there in the nighttime and and feed on it there and so um, anywhere there's oaks I found a lot of sign mm-hmm. always there's a lot of tracks 
You can tell it's getting a lot of traffic, but there's really not a way to tell if it's daylight activity unless you got a camera up on right. it. And so, and, and I would venture to say probably 90% of it is nighttime activity. Mm-hmm. But the way that you can increase your odds in daylight movement is to find those isolated spots. So, right. um, moving back to North Dakota, that was the thing that I started looking for was those isolated spots. Isolated it. So you took the South up to North Dakota. Is what yeah, you did. yeah. I mean, and I don't think, I don't really think that I took the South. I just, I think it's really good for everybody to I know, do I, that. I, I just like saying you took the South up. To North, uh, you know, like we it's gonna, like we're going we're going to rise again. You're going to rise again. You're the SEC. You know, went up <laughs> went up to the Northwest. You know, and um and so, uh yeah. But I mean, it really you find, I found. In that area where that buck was bedding at. So after I bumped him, I backed out, went back that evening, and I was going to circle around basically the way mm-hmm. that he came in. I told him on the podcast last week, but stepped my foot in the woods, and he was gone. Right? Just just gone. <laughs> um, he got up and ran off again. So as I'm walking through there, I'm finding good – I mean, there's a lot of sign. Yeah. I mean, a freak ton of sign. Yeah. And there's a lot of acorns dropping in there and stuff. Um, not nearly like the other place. I mean, it was kind of a mixture of cottonwood, right. aspen, right. some oaks that were dropping. And you could tell when you got into the oaks because you'd all of a sudden see this, <laughs> this ground tore up and you'd look up and I go, oh, there it is. So um, I basically got all the way to where he was bedded at originally. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden there was not as many oaks in there. Like... There wasn't many, but there was one, right? right? And it was right behind me, and it was dropping. Yeah. I mean, all evening long. Boom, yeah. Boom, boom, was hearing it drop. And long story short, didn't kill that buck, killed another buck that came out at like dang 5 o'clock, which was early. This is the earliest I'd seen a deer move yeah. since I got there. And, um, and I think a lot of it had to do mm-hmm. with, you know, it, it, was, it was right there close to where I think these, the deer are on their feet. Yeah. In the daylight. Right. I think most deer are. I mean, you can watch. Uh, so I was watching um, the Hunt and Publix video mm-hmm. from Wyoming. Yeah. Basically that same week. When they get up on those big glassing knobs and they're looking down into those yeah. bottoms and glassing deer, every single day there's deer. Those bucks are moving in the daylight. Mm-hmm. It's not that they're just staying bedded until it's right until it's yeah, dark. dark. Yeah, they're moving somewhere. You yeah. just got to figure out where they're moving at and why they're moving there. Yeah, and so you know, I think that that was encouraging for me to see, um, which is not anything that I didn't know, but it is encouraging to right. see, especially after spending what like five days hunting over a corn pile and not seeing any seeing anything. It's easy to say, well, deer just aren't moving. No, they're moving somewhere. They're just not getting there yet, right? right? So you got to figure those things out, and so or that's they're not kinda... coming to it at all. Yeah, you know, like yeah, I mean, true. you know, in, in the sense of they they might not prefer corn right now. You know, um, that that's the same way where you have corn on one side and beans they're they're on the other. You see, you see a crap ton of of deer in the beans, but hardly any in the corn. You're just like, no, that's deer deer eat corn, one hundred percent right, but not right now. They prefer soybeans, you mm-hmm. know? And so, um, but I think I've been guilty of this a lot, especially growing up, you know, in like just being, okay, I'm just going to pour corn out or I'm going to hunt over this 
this particular food source and and I know it's going to happen. And I'm just like bullheaded about it. Like I'm going to make it happen here, you know. Well, the whole time I'm like, I'm going to make it happen here, you know, deer's getting up over there. And I'm like, well, I'm just waiting for him to come over here. I'm like, no, why don't you just move over there, you know. Now I understand that. But when I was growing up, it was just like, no, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stick with this. I'm like, well, that's that's the definition of insanity. Yeah. You know? And so... Um, so that that was cool to see you. Um, I know because because we talked some, but also just following your Instagram, just just to see how you're like. All right, this this isn't working, so let's go find something that is. And it, it was cool to see how, just like you said, deer are deer, and tactics are tactics, no matter if you're in North Dakota or Alabama, you know, or New Jersey. It, tactics are tactics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true, man. It's a uh, there's. There's definitely something, and maybe that's a good that's a good title for the podcast is how to find how to find the most daylight active active deer or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, because yeah. I think deer are active. I, I really do believe that deer are active in the daylight. And like what you said, people get so stuck on, you know, well they're just not hitting the corn, yeah, right now or whatever. Or they're not hitting this food plot, or they're not hitting this gallberry bush, or whatever you're hunting you know mm-hmm. um yeah and, i mean there's a reason they call it a destination food source right right because that's the destination yeah when do you start your journey to the destination <laughs> yeah well before you get to your destination <laughs> right. most of the time right and so you know i mean if they're not if they're if you're getting all your corns eat up and yeah. you've got tracks all around your corn pile and stuff you know that there's deer coming to yeah. it but they're just not gonna they're not getting there until yeah. so you got to I think corn is a great thing because it can help you eliminate stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, so <laughs> you've got, if you've got corn on the ground somewhere, you've made that into a destination food source and a lot of deer are probably going to be at right. it at some point. And you can put your camera there and get inventory and all that kind of stuff. But then what you can do is say, okay, here's where my corn pile is. I've got a big buck coming in. Right. I see him on camera at 10 o'clock every day. Well, if he's there at 10 o'clock, where is he at eight o'clock? Well, which direction is he coming from? Right. And you just you can put those pieces together. It's not necessarily my style of hunting, but it is a it is a way to work. Right. You know. Right. Um, it worked on that buck I killed on that private land last mm-hmm. year. Um, I didn't really know I was hunting, but I was hunting the isolated oaks. Right. That's exactly what I was doing yeah. on that spot, and so. And and I think guys is also important too. Like it's early season. It's hard to kill a buck early season it is hard especially in the south and i say especially in the south because that's mainly where we hunt at so that's you know that's that's where we do our hunting but i think anywhere like um it it might be a little easier on some you know bed to feed type stuff like Mm -hmm. destination like alfalfa and beans and stuff like that but still you still got to pick the right trail i mean you got to get within at, at least 40 yards of them you know, so even if you go up to Kentucky, you can't just go. That's a bean field. I'm gonna go sit on that bean field. And I'm gonna kill a deer. Well, and how many how many times, even when you have hunted those type of places, have you just watched a deer get up from its bed and walk straight to the destination food source? It's n- almost never. Like they're they're gonna find something else to browse on, yeah. to eat on, and a lot of times that's gonna be their acorns, yeah. and that's why oak trees can be white oaks, especially, but any type of mast producing mm-hmm. tree can be really good yeah. in the early season is because that's likely not their primary food source. Right. It's just 
where you're going to be able to find them in the daylight. Yeah. So I, I don't know, man. I mean, I think we've we've kind of talked that to to pieces. My wife just texted me and said the kids are getting fussy up there. Yeah, so, if you can't hear guys, the kids are definitely getting fussy. Yeah, there's they're, they're outnumbered. The there's women five are outnumbered of them up there, up there right there. now. Two two of them under the age of three. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah, so they're getting a little crazy. Yeah. So if, yeah, it's one of the things just making deposits. <laughs> yeah. Making deposits. Yep. Deer season's almost here, y'all. I'm jacked up. So excited. Got to let the air out of one. And uh He'll taste good. Yes, he will. He'll eat fine. Eat fine. Um We just want to shout out to Chevy if you want to sponsor Southern Ground. Yeah. You know, we're totally cool with that. Send us a spark. <laughs> send us a spark. If you want some cool drone pictures, send us a spark and we'll we'll make good listen. You drive around WMAs in Alabama. Like, I drove with Spark. I drove from North Dakota. Back to Alabama, and for sixty bucks, and that's Biden gas too. So I mean, you know, twenty one dollars to fill up the tank on E. Shout out Chevy Spark, dude. That's what I'm talking about. Like, I'll figure out a way to make stuff happen. If I can make a trip to North Dakota for sixty bucks, we'll make with stuff all happen. your hunting gear. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, let's wrap this thing up, man. Let's do it. All right. Talk to you guys later. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. As always, a big shout out to all of our partners. That's Go Wild, Spartan Forge, Tethered, New Canoe, and Scree Gear. You can keep up with Southern Ground Hunting by following us on Facebook and Instagram, or you can subscribe to us on the YouTube channel. Make sure you check out southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch, hats, t-shirts, stickers, stuff like that. I truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll see you here again next week. Remember this, God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We'll talk to you next time.